I want you to go to Genesis chapter 4 with me today. Genesis chapter 4. The other thing I wanted to say to you, this is exciting news, this morning at 10 a.m. we started, well actually we expanded our television outreach in the Atlanta, Georgia region. Somebody help me celebrate that. Because of faithfulness of partners and people who believe in what God is doing here, we already paid for one whole year in the Chattanooga area. It's already paid up for the whole year. Somebody help me praise God for that. And so what we said is, Lord, if you'll bless us in that region, we'll go to another region. And we went and got the, one of the greatest opportunities, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning on Atlanta Channel 57, and it's happening right Actually, it's already done now, but it happened already. Can you help me thank God for open doors of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. So I want to thank God for all of your faithfulness and generosity. We're just going to, as long as God keeps meeting the need and sending people who help us, we're going to keep expanding. I don't want to take um, very long because I want to go back to a place of prayer today. Um, and I, I just want to preach this word on my heart from Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, and when you have it, say amen. So a few minutes in this, this text today, I believe there's something for us here. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed, verse 26. And as for Seth, to him also was born a son, and his name was Enosh. Then, somebody say then. Someone say then. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. The first part of that 25th verse says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, again. And I want to preach today for a few moments on the thought, the answer is intimacy, or intimacy is the answer. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Someone say the answer is intimacy. So today, the answer is still intimacy. Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's the book where we learn about the first things. Um, the, the word tells us how things were created, how things came about, how we got to this place. Without the book of Genesis, there's a lot of questions in our world that remain without answers. But Genesis answers a lot of things. And one of the things that Genesis helps us to define and articulate clearly is the idea of family. Everyone say family. And we see this when God created Adam, and the Bible said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, so he put Adam to sleep, took a rib from Adam's side, and with the rib he created not another man, but a woman, a man with a womb. That's literally what woman means, wombed man. And God gave her a name, and her name was Eve. Eve means life. She was the mother of life. Adam and Eve were given an instruction by God in the garden, and the instruction was what? Be fruitful, multiply, subdue, walk in authority. 
This is my world, but I put you in it to lead it, and I'm leaving you in charge as my CEO of the world that I've created. Literally, that's what God did with Adam. And you know, you know the story. I won't rehearse this. I've taught this many times. Devin's taught this many times. A number of teachers have taught this in this pulpit of how Satan comes through deception, deceives humanity, and by the transgression of Adam and the sin of Eve, humanity falls and loses their place with God. And God comes looking for Adam in the place he left him and said, Adam, where are you? Now, God did not ask Adam where he was because, Adam, because, because God lost Adam. How many know God doesn't lose anybody? God came and asked Adam, where are you? Because Adam needed to recognize he had fallen from the place God had put him in. And when Adam recognized and came to that he had, that he had fallen from his place of authority and sonship, the Bible said Adam hid himself. And there's so much here because this is what humanity does when it recognizes its separation from God. We hide ourselves. Not only did Adam hide himself, but the Bible said that he took leaves and covered himself. And not only do we run and hide from God, we often try to cover our own selves when we fall. And isn't the reality of it this morning that no matter how hard you work to cover up your mess, if you don't take it to God, the mess that you made, you can't cover. You've got to take the mess you make to God because literally he's the only one who knows where the sacrifice is that can cover and remove the sin and the mess that you've made and committed. And I want to tell you today that God, even in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, God understood the frailty and the fallacy of man and that man, even before the foundation of the world, God knew Jesus was going to be necessary. And when you make a mess, I want to tell you to run back to God. Don't hide. Don't cover yourself. Because how many know you can't cover up the mess you make? Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. How many know you can't cover up the mess you make? The only way to deal with the mess you make is to run to the one who made a blood sacrifice in your place that would not only appease the wrath of God, but remove the sinfulness of man. I came to tell you, Jesus didn't just come to hide your sin. He came to wash your sin. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as wool. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be white as snow. The good news of the gospel today is not that fallen sinful man can put a band-aid on his sinfulness. The good news of the gospel through Jesus Christ is that no matter how many messes you made, how much you've screwed up, how many times you've blown it, if you will call on the name of the Lord, he will forgive you, he will save you, and he will give you new life through his son Jesus by his spirit. If you've had that experience, somebody give him a praise today. And when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, one of the great promises that were given to humanity is right there in the garden in Genesis 3 verses 15 and 16. In the middle of the mess that they had made, in the middle of the hopelessness that they had experienced, in the middle of being removed from their place of authority and everything God gave them being taken away, when it looked hopeless for Adam and Eve, God speaks to the serpent. And it is located in the third chapter of Genesis, and I'm, I'm setting this up because I want to show you something. It's located in the third chapter of Genesis, and here's what the Bible says. 
and God spoke to the serpent. How many are thankful when God talks to the devil? Y'all missed it. I said, how many are thankful when God starts talking to the devil? It's one thing when I talk to the devil. It's another thing when God talks to the devil. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful today that God is still speaking to our enemy. And one word from the voice of Yahweh still puts everything in order. Somebody say, speak, Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing everybody else's report. I'd like to hear what's on Abba's heart. I'd like to hear what Yahweh has to say about it. I'd like to hear the conclusion of the matter. God, speak, because when you speak, my enemies have to listen. How many know it's true today? Say amen. The Bible says in the third chapter of Genesis, the 15th verse, God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed. More than the cattle, more than every beast of the field on your belly, you will go you will eat the dust of the earth all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you. He's talking to the serpent. And he says to the serpent, which is the devil. Uh-huh. It's a serpent in Genesis. In Revelation 12, it's a dragon. Why? Somebody's been feeding that joker. He looks at the snake and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. I don't have time to talk about all that today. There's much in that. How many know the devil has seed? Mm-hmm. And her seed, this is Eve. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is in the book of Genesis. It is a promise, watch, that through the seed of a woman would come one who would crush the head of the serpent. This is thousands of years before Jesus ever came. Eve heard the promise that you're going to have a son, a seed, and that son is going to crush the head of the serpent. How many know Eve wanted that joker's head crushed immediately? Why would Eve want the serpent's head crushed immediately? Because she is now living in the effects and the aftermath and the carnage of having been deceived. See, the snake just lied to her and she lost everything she had. God said to the serpent, I'm going to give a seed to this woman and the seed is going to crush your head. And Eve said, I need to have that seed right now so that nobody else goes through what I just went through. So you come out of Genesis 3, she has a promise from God that your seed is going to crush the head of the serpent. Yes, your seed is going to bruise his heel. Jesus had a bruised and bloody heel, H-E-E-L. Because he died on a hill, H-I-L-L. And what happened on Friday looked real bad. But how many know by Sunday that thing had turned? 
And instead of Jesus being dead on Sunday, what literally happened on Sunday is that the bruised heel of Jesus gave way to the spirit that resurrected the three-day dead body of our Lord Jesus. And Jesus rose from the grave. And the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians that Jesus made an open spectacle of the devil when Jesus triumphed over the enemy. I want to make sure you understand that the devil is not going to be defeated. The devil is already defeated. Christ is exalted. Jesus is Lord and the devil is under your feet. But one thing that we can't get away from in this text is that in order for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and subdue, means take authority and dominion, in order for this to happen, now don't get nervous and been out of shape, but intimacy had to occur. Between the, see how quiet it gets when we talk about this in the church. Intimacy had to occur between the husband and the wife, groom and bride. In order for there to be authority and dominion, it is connected to the act of becoming fruitful. How far down this road do I want to go? This is the agenda, and I'm going to get some emails and flack, but I love everybody. You will not find one hateful bone in my being. Everybody understand? Everybody smile. I'm about to drop a bomb in love. This is what's wrong with the LGBT movement. Don't, don't, no, no, I'm, we're not here to bash. I'm here to explain. If you follow that agenda out to the nth degree, there is no procreation and, and, and producing children. It's why it is set up by Satan because Satan understands the power of reproduction. Eve, if you and Adam ever come together in the bed of intimacy, you will start having kids. If your kids ever get married to other kids, uh, you know, our sons and daughters, and they come together in intimacy, they'll have kids. If sons and daughters in the next generation come together in intimacy they'll have kids and as long as there is intimacy as long as there is love there is reproduction and every time there is reproduction no matter how jacked up the family tree they may have born through is that son or daughter will always be a candidate for the spirit of God to live in and as long as there's a living being with the spirit of God in them the devil can't have this world Does that make sense? And if you ever allow the spirit of the homosexual community to flourish in totality, I'm not being mean and hateful. I'm telling you it's what the enemy wants because he keeps, and and I hear somebody talking to me now, well, all the other people can have babies and we'll adopt them. That ain't what Genesis taught. I ain't finding no help. I said, that ain't what Genesis taught. Genesis taught Adam and Eve come together. When Adam and Eve, husband and wife, groom and bride come together, there is something from God released. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm telling you, while we're in arguments over rights, 
We are missing the entire point of God that God gave man a woman and God gave a woman man for them to come together in intimacy. And when you come together in intimacy, you reproduce and thus you keep the devil in his place. And so Adam and Eve lose everything except they get a promise. And the promise is you're going to have a seed. And the seed is going to crush the head of the serpent. So what does the next chapter start with? Verse 1. What does the next verse in the first verse of the fourth chapter, what does it say? So Adam knew Eve. (laughs) They're like, if it's going to be through my seed that the serpent's head is crushed, we got to get busy. I'm making sure Devin gives me her approval here. We got to get busy. Get busy doing what? Having children. Fruitfulness. So the first verse of the fourth chapter, Adam knew Eve. When the King James says that Adam knew Eve, that ain't like he knew her like you know your favorite sports player. You know, I, I know Michael Jordan. No, you don't. No, you, you watched him and you know how he dribbles and you know how, but you don't know him personally. If I walked you up to him, he would look at me and you like, who are y'all? Because you don't know him. You don't know your favorite singer. Maybe you do, but probably you don't. You don't know your icon and your hero. You know about them. When the Bible said Adam knew Eve, this word knew is yada. And it doesn't mean a surface knowledge that you can get by mere acquaintance. It literally is talking about coming past the veil into the secret place and getting into the intimate place. This is the King James way when we say Adam knew Eve. It's the King James way of saying they came together in intimacy. Are you following me? And when Adam and Eve came together in intimacy, when the groom came into the chamber of the, of the bride, when the husband came into the room with the wife and, 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 gave, and gave the invitation of intimacy, they knew each other. Oh, Lord, I don't have time, and I know there are kids. I'm trying to walk real carefully here, but I want, to un- I want you to understand that's why intimacy is intimacy, because in order to have it, you've got to take some stuff off. Oh, y'all not going to help nobody. Sit up there and look at me like you're funny if you want to. But if you're going to have real intimacy, you got to start taking layers off and garments off and facades off. And you got to take titles off. And you got to take all the stuff off that keeps you at a distance. If you're going to have real intimacy, you got to get up close. And Adam and Eve, the Bible said they, what, oh, I love the way the Bible says it. It said Adam knew Eve. It doesn't say Eve knew Adam. 
because the groom always initiates the intimacy. God is always doing the inviting and we are always in the posture of saying, I I'll take the wink. Uh -uh, come on, I'll take the wink. If you're pulling on me, God, I'll spend some time with you. If you're wanting intimacy, all you gotta do is woo me just a little bit. Let me know you want me. I'll I want you more than I need Facebook. I need you more than I need Twitter. I need you more than I need a following. I need intimacy with God. The Bible says Adam knew Eve and she conceived and bore a son. His name was Cain and she named him Cain and it means I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again and she had a son named Abel. And you know the story about Abel and Cain. In the same house, there were two lions. Cain and Abel. I don't have time to go into the offering of Cain and the offering of Abel. Suffice it to say, Cain was a green thumb. He was a gardener. Abel was a shepherd and he took care of the cattle. When it came time to give an offering, do you recognize the first offering given to God in the Bible was rejected? The first offering given in the entire Bible was rejected. Why? Because Cain brought it. And when he brought the offering to God, it lacked two things. It lacked the quality of best and it lacked the blood. He offered God something from the fruit of the ground, something that he grew, something that he tended, something that could say, you could look at it and say, oh, that was Cain's offering. He grew that little green thing. He grew that sprout. He grew, and he brought him the fruit of his hands. There was no blood, and it was not the best. When Abel got ready to offer an offering to God, Abel went out in the backyard with the best cattle, and he brought the sacrifice, and he killed it, and it died, and it bled, and it was the best and this is why his offering pleased the Lord remember this if your offering doesn't cost you something if your offering isn't the best if your offering isn't a sacrifice I don't care how hard you work to bring it if what you bring God is not your best God said I can't take anything that is not your best God will not have the leftovers of an apostate church that is shacked up in the back seat with the world trying to love the world and love God you can't not love both God and mammon if you love mammon you won't love God if you love God then you won't be a slave to mammon make up your mind today if the world will be your God or if Yahweh will be your God but choose you this day who you will serve I gotta go he had he had an offering to give to God came in made from the ground Abel's offering was the best and it had blood. And God accepted it. And when Abel, whoo, I wish I had time. When Abel gave the offering to God, Cain got mad. Because you've never in your life seen anger rise up until you see two people who have a different perspective of offering. And the one who gives less often gets maddest at the one who gave the best. Have you ever seen somebody, have you ever seen somebody get mad when you see somebody get blessed? Come on in here and talk to me. Have you ever seen somebody get a new car and people in the church? Y'all not talking to nobody. 
I'm talking about people. Have you seen God ever bless somebody with a house, pay it off completely? A person walk up and hand them the deed, and the people in the church, in the kingdom of God, get mad. Well, who do they think they are? And why they got to live in a house like that? First of all, you don't know how God paid for that house, Sister Yay Yay and Brother Flip Flop. So sit your, sit your hips down and let them testify for a minute before you get offended over something that you can't even understand. Before you judge somebody because of the size of their harvest, you better check out the cost of the seed that they sowed when nobody was looking. If you think the harvest was something, you should have been there when they wept and sowed their seed because my Bible said if you sow seed with precious tears, you will doubtless come again with joy bringing in the sheaves. Gotta go, gotta go. I don't have time to go there. So the Bible says, Cain got mad and wroth. He rose up in the field and slew Abel, his brother. And God saw it and said, where's your brother? He said, this is a famous scripture, Genesis 4. Am I my brother's keeper? The implication is, of course you are. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to know where my brother is? Of course you are. That's what family does. We keep up with each other. He knew where he was. He killed him. And here's what's crazy. The Bible said when Cain killed Abel, Abel hit the ground and blood began to spill out on the earth. This is crazy. But Genesis 4 says the blood of Abel started talking to God. God said, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I have preached against injustice. I have preached against racism. I will preach against it till the day I die or God purges this nation of it completely. But if I'm going to preach and I am going to preach against racism and I am going to preach against injustice in the streets and I am going to tell you abortion has baby's blood that is crying out from this earth and we need justice from the womb to the tomb. You don't have to say amen. I'm telling you right now, God wants to balance the scales in America until our courts look like the courts of heaven. Why you got to get into politics? I have never gotten into politics from this pulpit. That is not a political statement. It is a kingdom statement. We got to fight for justice, family. We got to fight for justice. And I'm thankful, I am thankful that when we speak on behalf of those whose lives have been affected by injustice, we find ourselves not only speaking the heart of God, but speaking with the authority of God. Blood is crying out. This text teaches us that the shedding of innocent blood begins to cry out to God. I wonder what heaven sounds like today with the blood of babies and the blood of innocent sons and daughters whose lives have been taken prematurely in the streets of this city and the streets of cities across America. Listen, their innocent blood is crying out. And 
The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God came to Cain. And he said, your brother's blood is speaking to me. And you follow Cain's life. God removes him from the manifest presence of heaven. Kicks him out of the garden into a place called Nod where he would be sentenced to wander as a nomad for the rest of his life. And you know the story, Cain says, the pain is too much for me to bear, the judgment is too much for me to bear. I cannot bear this. He said, I'll be killed. And God puts a, a mark on Cain, a, a, a marker on Cain's head and says, I won't let men kill you. Cain begins to have children. Why? Because the enemy understands the power of reproduction. If Eve is going to have a seed that will crush the head of the serpent, then Satan begins his own lineage. Paul calls them the sons and daughters of disobedience. I want to tell you today, there are only two options of servanthood in your life. There aren't 14 different people or gods to serve. Jesus said, either you are for me or you are against me. This is real simple. He came to make it crystal clear. There aren't 14 ways and there aren't neutral grounds. For him or against him. And Cain begins to have children. And watch this. The fourth down the line of Cain's lineage is a man named Lamech. Everyone say Lamech. His name means power or destruction. Lamech is the first person in the Bible. Don't miss this. He is the first person in the Bible with two wives. He is the first person to pervert the initial godly design for marriage and family. He has two wives. First person in the Bible that we're told who has two wives. Their names are Adda and Zillah, verse 23. Lamech said to his wives. So we initially and automatically see an introduction of perversion and impurity here. Lamech is not devoted and he's not consecrated. Don't miss this. He's not consecrated to one bride. He's got multiple. And out of his multiplicity and his divided, don't miss it, devotion. Divided devotion. I want everyone to know this in this room tonight or today and online. I am taken. You want, let me tell all y'all something. She is taken. Won't be no wife swapping. Won't be no wife sharing. She's five foot tall. Claw the eyes out of a human being. <laughs> Somebody said, do you live holy because you fear God? I live holy because I fear Devin. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> we have four beautiful children and I'm a thankful man. My children don't have to get up every morning and wonder where they came from, 
or who's their mama or who's their daddy. Why? Because the intention of God, we are not perfect people. Devin and I fail daily. I want you to know that. But the intention of God is honored in our house in that my love is reserved for her. And her love is reserved for me. And out of intimacy together, we have seen the birth of four children to the glory of God. And the point is that Satan seeks to pervert intimacy by offering multiple spouses to the body of Christ. If the Bible in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm full, so i got to watch myself because we'll be here a minute, but the air conditioner's working and I'm not hot and I could go all day long. Hallelujah. If the Bible is true in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church, then we can literally look at the marriage between Adam and Eve and learn something from it that applies to the relationship of me and you and our groom, the Lord Jesus. We are the bride. He is the groom. We are the wife. He is the husband. There has been a marriage. There has been intimacy. We slip beyond the veil. We've been in the holy place. And because we spent time together, the son and daughters of God are multiplying and the kingdom is being advanced in the earth. You find a church with no intimacy, no one's getting saved. So, follow Lamech's line. He's got two wives and he starts having kids. So not only is, is he jacked up and impure, but then he comes home, read the text, verse 24, he comes home bragging about killing two young men. This is the line of Cain. Impure hearts, divided devotion, and fathers who slay sons. Boy, if this isn't a picture of an apostate church. The world is in, Genesis chapter 4 is in darkness. Lamech's line is expanding. The sons of Lamech are increasing. Darkness is continually expanding and growing. What is the answer? And Adam knew his wife again. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to tell you that the answer for a world that was dark and chaotic and full of demonic principalities in this Genesis 4 day, the answer was a husband and a wife, a groom and a bride going beyond the veil into a secret place and having intimacy again. The answer for a jacked up world and a dark generation and every time we flip on the news and we shouldn't do that as much as we do Can I just be real? I don't trust any of them anymore. If they're making dollars, 
They're lying to me and you. <laughs> well, what are you, how are you going to find out what there is to find out? Oh, <laughs> I don't have to read 46 newspapers. I read one book. It says we're going to win. And I don't know how and I don't know when and I don't know by what means, but I know the blood of Jesus is still enough. The cross of Jesus still saves. The Holy Ghost is still real. The Bible is still true. The church is still redeemed. And the devil is still defeated. Somebody shout or do something in here. Dear God. What is the answer for a jacked up crazy world? It is the bride, the church, getting in the bed with the groom, the Lord Jesus, and in a secret place of prayer, touching the heart of God with sweet surrender until he gets all of us and we get all of him we can have. And out of a moment of intimacy comes a new generation of sons and daughters who are the devil's worst nightmare. We better have revival. We better be a people of intimacy because the Lord is ready to find his people again. Adam knew Eve again. It doesn't say Eve knew Adam. It said the groom knew the bride. Can I tell you today, I'm not arrogant enough to think I'm making the right moves toward God. He's making the move toward me. And all I want to say is, yes, Lord. Come on, all you got to do is wink at me, God, and you can pull me into the secret place. All you got to do is give me the nod. Help me, somebody. All you got to do is give me the look. Oh, if you're wanting somebody to spend some time with you, I'm here, God. And Adam knew Eve again. And she bore another son. I'm getting ready to bless myself. And if none of you get blessed, I'll take your blessing. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed. I feel like praising God in this church right now because when the enemy took something that you thought was your promise, can you imagine how Eve felt? She looked at Cain and knew that Cain was not the fulfillment of the promise God gave her in Genesis 3.15. She looked at Abel and said, Abel, you are the one through whom the seed of intimate enmity will come and you will crush perhaps the head of the serpent. And what does Cain do to Abel? He kills him. And what does Eve do? She looks at her dead son who she thought was the fulfillment of a promise and now he's dead. And it looks like it's over, but the cure for what you lost is in the bedchamber and in a place called intimacy. Oh my God, I feel like hollering in this church. If the devil tried to take something from you, intimacy will help you get it back. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, neighbor, God's got another seed. God's got another promise. God's got another son. God's got another.
another future. God's got another job. God's got another family. If the devil ever took anything from you, I'm telling you intimacy with God will help you get back what the devil stole. Somebody give God praise. Well, I just don't know about all this deep worship stuff. All this 1209 and, you know, we just hear and all these services and stuff and we just pray and intercede. I ain't with all that. Two songs and a quick sermon. Shallow. You're not a lover of God, you're a dater. I ain't gonna get no help, but I'm in a mood to preach now. You're not a lover of God, you're a dater. You know what separated every other woman that I dated from her? I didn't know any of them intimately. I knew their hair color and I know their eyelashes and I know their glasses, but I didn't know them. There's only one that I know, and I have four kids that are the result of the intimacy. And some of you want me to believe that you love God and you give him one hour a week and complain when somebody down the beat you to the restaurant on Sunday the devil is a liar what is wrong with us who wrote this script anyway got to in and out got to keep the crowd happy I'm sick of the crowd the bride is not the crowd the bride says if it takes all day long, if I got to pray all night long, if I got to push some meals back, if I got to ignore some phone calls, if I go, oh yes, if you love him, you will find him when you seek with him with all your heart. God wants a bride. God wants a bride. He wants intimacy. And if you'll give him intimacy, he'll give you what you lost. You can get it back. I'm through with this. Seth had a son. He named him Enosh. Enosh literally means race or humanity. Watch this. In the moment of darkness, when Lamech's sons and daughters were populating the earth and a spirit of humanism and darkness began to cover the earth, intimacy unlocked the womb of the woman. Seth came into the world. Seth had sons, and one of his sons was Enosh. Enosh men means humanity. Watch. Adam means man. That's what the word Adam means, man. Adam had fallen. Yes, God was going to redeem Adam. But God redeemed him by creating a new humanity. A new race. I got some folk real mad at me this last week because I said there's a nation within a nation. Everybody said, oh, America, America. I love America. I said that, but I love Jesus more. Yeah. 
There is a nation within a nation. When you come up and you tell me I'm an American, you are telling me that your primary identification is the nation in the earth that you were born into. I'm telling you if you're born again, you have a greater identity. There's a nation, say it, within a nation. You say, where's that in the Bible? First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, sister, yay, yay. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He wasn't talking about the Jews. He wasn't talking about America. He was talking, my God, I feel like running around this sanctified church. He was talking about every blood-washed child of God, no matter the color of your skin, who your mama and your daddy were. If Jesus is your Lord, the greatest thing that you will ever know is an identity and a citizenship in a kingdom called the kingdom of God. And nobody on this earth, no matter how bad they hate you, can take you out of that kingdom. Enosh was the representation of a new humanity and in the midst of great darkness men began to call on the name of the Lord first time ever it said in the Bible men begin to call on the name of the Lord in fact Many Hebrew scholars believe this is where the idea and the thought of corporate worship came from. Men came together, the sons of Seth, the sons of Adam and Eve, the righteous remnant, the redeemed line. They gathered together, lifted up their voice, called on the name of the Lord. Intimacy is producing a new generation of believers. What do you mean by that? I mean people, stand with me, I'm through, who are not afraid to go deeper. How many have ever been to a swimming pool? Come on, don't lie, you'll go to hell. How many have ever been to a swimming pool? How many... When you go to a swimming pool, there are different ends in the pool, usually separated by what? A rope. I could illustrate this message today by likening it to going to the swimming pool. There are shallow end people. Actually, let's back up. There are tanners. You know tanners, Devin is a tanner. No matter what pool we go to, she doesn't go to get in the water, she goes to borrow the furniture. <laughs> and all of our vacations start with a threat to me and every child we have. Don't splash me. Don't splash me. Or what? <laughs> There are tanners in the church. They didn't come to jump in. They came to use the furniture 
get a tan, and leave looking like they never got near the water. Then there are the shallow end people. These are the people who enter on the steps. Just let me stay right here. I mean, you're a foot in. Are you okay? Everything all right? Okay. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go. Let's go. This is too much for me. Don't splash. Don't splash. Don't splash. They go to the rope. So chilly. And then there are those people who are looking for the deep end. And they don't enter through the steps. Cannonball, come on somebody. And when you jump in, it ain't a good Sunday unless you get everybody beside you wet. We're in a moment, church, where outer court, 30 minutes of nothing that we call church is not going to cut it. This 30, 40 minutes of nothing, and we got hell breaking loose in our nation, and we're trying to make serving God convenient. Just throw him in there. Throw him in there on Sunday. He's just one among many others. This ain't the kingdom of God. It's going to take some intimacy. I'm going to tell you this through. Cut it off, whatever. I almost didn't even make it to church this morning. Because I was in prayer this morning. And I started searching my own heart. Oh, pastor, you're the pastor. You, you're walking with God. I'm going to tell you, the greatest deception you'll ever have in your life is that you're all right and you know it. You say, well, you shouldn't cause people to doubt their faith. I'm not causing you to doubt your faith. I'm asking you to take an inventory. Is he the Lord of everything? When's the last time hot tears rolled down your cheeks? When's the last time you told your flesh to shut up while you went and sought the Lord? He who believes he's right, take heed, lest you fall. We're in a day of shaking. God's not shaking you to torment you. If you're being shaken, it's to reveal what you've built on that is not the rock. Because the rock won't move. And if there's something in you that feels shifty and it feels shaking, I'd run from it, run to Jesus. It's 
just lift your hands with me right now if you love him and you want to love him more. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Sing it, family. To follow Jesus. No turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry Till I see Jesus, my cross I'll carry. Till I see Jesus, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind. Cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me. This is hard to sing, but it's still true. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. Let's sing, I have decided one last time. Come on, throw your hands. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, I have decided Follow Jesus, no turning back. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're in this room today or you're watching me online, your heart is touched by the, the kindness of God to convict your heart that it needs him. I want to tell you conviction is a great gift to you and I it's the goodness of God letting us know something's off, something's wrong, something's missing in our life. And God doesn't convict you to condemn you and tell you how messed up you are. He convicts you to let you know life is a wreck. Life is a miss. You're not living in your purpose. But I'm convicting you to invite you into my kingdom and into a relationship with me. That's why he's here. If you're online or you're in this room and you're watching me today and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I need Jesus. 
I want to follow him. I don't care if you've never known him or if you've known him and you've walked away and you feel a million miles away from the Lord this morning. If you want Jesus to rescue you and you want to be a lover of God for the rest of your life, you want to follow him and you want to hear his voice and you want to say yes, if that's you and you're in this room, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Anyone at all, I need to give Jesus everything. God bless you for lifting your hands. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. I want everyone to look at me right now. I'm going to pray for online people in just a moment. Our, our precious online family, someone needs Jesus online. Stay right there. I'm going to give an invitation in this room first. If you just lifted your hand or you should have, you know in your heart you should have lifted your hand because you need to get right with God. Someone's about to ask you a question. It's a great question. And the question is this. Do you need someone to go to the altar with you? And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have, I don't want you to come down here alone. I don't want you to come by yourself. I don't want you to feel out of place. I want you to know this is a family. And we're here to point you to the loving heart of a good, good father. He's, how many can testify he's a good, good father? And so I want everyone to help me, whether you know the person you're standing next to or you've never met them in your life. I just want you to look at them and ask them, do you need someone to go to the altar with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, when they ask you that question, would you come stand with me right now? Because we want to pray with you today. No one's going to lay hands on you. We don't have to touch it. We just want to pray with you. Someone's already coming. God bless you. God bless you, sweetheart. Come on, this is wonderful. Come on, sweetie. Come on. Come on, this is wonderful. We're in the middle of the summer. Oh, we give you thanks, wonderful Jesus. This is so sweet. Come on, come on, Dev, come help me. I need Carolyn to come help me. Come here, sweetie. Come here, come here, Deanna. I need some. Come help me. Come help me. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come help me. Let's sing it together. I have decided. Come on. I have peace. Lift your hands and sing it to him. Everyone singing it to the Lord while they pray. Oh, come on, sweetie. It's not too late. There's room. Come on. Somebody help me praise the Lord this morning. I have decided. I will follow. Sing it. Somebody has to sing that by faith today. Though none go with me, still I. Sing it, family. Come on. Still I will follow. No turning back. At the cross, at the cross sing to him think about his love for you and lift your hands and sing that song come on rolled away in I received my sight Sing it one more time while they pray again. Come on, at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the...
I receive my sight. I believe someone's watching me today on live stream and you're wanting to give your heart to the Lord. And I have good news. He loves you and he will take you just like you are. I would never embarrass this person, but they're in this room today and she's a precious, precious woman of God and she would testify to you that the Lord can save you even through watching online. I remember the Sunday when she sent the message and said, I've given my heart to the Lord and she's been in church. It's been amazing to see what God has done in her life. And she would say to you that even though you're not in this room, Jesus is right where you are. And amen, somebody. And he can save you right where you are. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer with me and either put it in the message box or send the church a, a message or send me a message or Devin Wallace a message. Send us a message and just say, I gave my heart to God today. Just tell us, saved. Let us know that it happened. We want to reach out and make sure you know we're praying for you. And we want to make sure you know you're covered in prayer. Say this prayer. Say, dear God, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, today. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'll be the Lord of my life. And make me a new creation by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, that's not the finish line. That's the launching pad. Amen. That's where we start from. Let us know you gave your heart to Jesus today. Send us a message. Put it in the message box. Pastor Rick, one of the pastors, someone will reach out to you to let you know we're here. And we got your back and your family. And we're going to run this race together. How many can help me praise the Lord for the souls that came into the kingdom today? Come on. Listen. Listen, spend some time with Jesus in prayer this week. Stay there until his presence touches your soul. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding be yours in Christ Jesus. Lift your hands now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can begin to leave. Go out singing the song we've been singing. Now I am happy all the day. Come on, LeBron, sing it again. At the cross. At the cross.